Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to our third Christian effing Bale month movie. Tonight we are talking about The Big Short. I am very excited to talk about this movie. This is one of my favorite Christian Bale movies. And this performance would probably be in my top 10, not in my top five, but it is definitely in my top 10 for Bale performances. You know, it's not the happiest movie, of course, it makes you angry, but I think it's so well done. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on my amazing, beautiful panel and one of our panelists. It's her first time on a Christian effing bail month episode. So I'm very happy to have her here too. So first though, from bed, wet or behead, I remembered again. <laughs> My co-host this whole process and my other other shining um I'm trying to think of a thing, a shining Christian Bale lover. That sounds really weird, but Christian Bale fan. <laughs> Carla <laughs> That was horrible, I'm sorry. A shining Christian Bale lover. That really sounds um pornographic. And that's okay. I'm here for it. It's fine. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Carla. I'm Welcome so- back to me. Welcome back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. And I was I was telling Carla uh, before we started that I'm starting to get to that point where like at the halfway mark, I mean, we still have Vice and we do have the Pale Blue Eye and we do have Christian Bale trivia night, but I'm getting to the point where we're almost done with this month and I will go into a deep depression, <laughs> not a deep depression, but. I will be mourning the loss of Christian. That's what happened last year. I love talking about this man and I grow to love him more every time we do this. So I'm really, really going to miss this. Now on to happier business. So now coming to the stage is my amazing producer. And she joined us last year on our fighter episode, which was the episode that introduced the big, uh, no, that's not introduced, but that was the episode where we learned that Christian's biggest dream is to play John Bon Jovi. So, Aaron A. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Crowd goes wild. Welcome, Aaron. <laughs> I have to say, I love the live stream intro music. Isn't it amazing? It's- the best. Yes, I had to find something because 
you know, Michael Burry listens to a lot of like heavy metal. So I'm like, I have to find something heavy metal-ish for this. So that was what I found on Canva. So, (laughs) And now my beautiful podcast brain twin, this is her first time ever on a Christian Bale, Christian effing Bale month episode. I'm so excited to have her here. Jen from my streaming bubble. What up, bitches? Hi. <laughs> Hi, Jen. I'm so glad to be here. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. And for my first Christian effing bail episode, month episode celebration thing, <laughs> I'm good at this. <laughs> and um, I also want to point out because Jen and Aaron A are here. And also, if you don't know, the Big Short also stars our vice unofficial mascot, Mr. Finn Whitrock. So we're here to celebrate Christian, but we may also be celebrating Finn a little bit in here too. Of course, we're going to do six degrees of Finn. We've got a different way of doing it because they're in the movie together. So we're not going to say, well, they're in the movie together. So there you go. That's how you're going to do it. Done. Done. Mic drop. Mike drop. <laughs> But The Big Short, if you don't know what The Big Short is, is a 2015 film that is about um, a group of investors that bet against the U.S. mortgage market in 2006 to 2007. In their research, they discover how flawed and corrupt the market is. So it also follows the housing crisis. And it stars Mr. Christian Bale, of course, as Michael Burry, Steve Carell as Mark Baum, Ryan Gosling as Jared Bennett. Brad Pitt as Ben Rickert, and it also has, of course, Mr. Finn Whitrock as, what's your character name again, Finn? <laughs> it's Jamie something or other, Aaron, oh, don't you know? Jamie Shipley, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's embarrassing, I apologize. <laughs> Hamish Linklater as Porter Collins, Jeremy Strong as Vinnie Daniel, Rafe Spall as Danny Moses. And a bunch of other people. And of course, it has celebrities that break the fourth wall. Uh, some of the other people in here, the characters break the fourth wall, like the creepy Christian Bale, <laughs> as we like to call it, where he breaks the fourth wall. Ryan Gosling breaks the fourth wall all over the place in this movie as well. And then I just wanted to share, oh, this was directed by Adam McKay. And it was written by Charles Randolph and Adam McKay. And it was based on the book by Michael Lewis. And just a little bit of quick trivia here. I'm going to give you some trivia, mainly focused on Christian Bale because it is his month. Uh, According to Adam McKay, Christian Bale injured his knee badly just before filming started. McKay wanted to use a double for Bale's drumming and swimming scenes, but Bale insisted on doing the scenes himself. Typical Christian Bale. So McKay eventually agreed, but when he shot the drumming scenes, he brought in two doctors for the duration of the shoot, ready to perform in case anything happened to Bale. Christian, go listen to our episode we did earlier this week and realize you do not have to work when you're injured like that, okay? (laughs) Like, seriously, you know, if if you use a stunt double, then you're actually helping employ a person. So if you see it that way, you're yes. you're helping somebody else too. Yes, exactly. Come That's on, a Christian. Great way to look at it. Yes, we love you, Christian. We don't want to see you hurting. 
Christian Bale took two weeks to learn to play the drum sufficiently enough to play the intro to the song by Demons Be Driven by Pantera. Christian has stated, if you were to really watch me and you're a drummer, you'll know I don't know how to play drums. But I think he did a good job for what he had to do. And this doesn't have to do with Christian, but author Michael Lewis revealed in an interview that Paramount Pictures allowed director and screenwriter Adam McKay to make this film only if he agreed to make a special, a special, a sequel, excuse me, to Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. So, you know, that's how that got made. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No surprise that 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 happened in the background. Um, the real Michael Burry made a cameo in the film as a Scion employee at the beginning of the scene in which the fictional Burry's investors confront him at his office. He is briefly shown standing near the front door talking on the phone. And Lola Visual Effects did the special effects for the for Christian Bale's glass eye in the film. This is amazing what they did. But director Adam McKay did not want it to be too obtrusive since in reality you're not that aware of someone's glass eye except the odd occasion when it doesn't move. So they painstakingly went through every shot to get it just right. That's that wow. work. The work that must have taken is. Yeah. yeah. And then Christian Bale does not share screen time with any of the other top build cast members. There is a fantastic little interview only because of watching Christian Bale, but where Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling and Adam McKay are being interviewed, and especially Steve Carell and, and Adam McKay. And it's on Good Morning America or something you can find on YouTube. And they are talking about Christian and how great he was doing, how he shot everything before them. And just watch Christian Bale's face in that because Christian Bale does not realize that he is an amazing actor. He really doesn't. He honestly has, he's like, I don't understand why people love me so much. I do not get this. And you watch him doing that, and he's kind of like, um, you got, what are you guys talking about? Why would you be so intimidated by me? <laughs> it's just like he was interviewed by someone the other day, and they're like, and the guy's like, I, I, my heart is beating so fast. And Christian's like, why? And, I, and when I listen to it again, you can hear him say, did you have too much coffee or something? He's like, no, it's because of you. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you'll be disappointed. That'll stop you soon. <laughs> So, you know, I just always like to just praise how little of an ego this man has. And then lastly, the quotation that appears on screen, truth is like poetry and most people fucking hate poetry. And it says that was overheard at a Washington, D.C. bar. It was actually written by director and co-writer Adam McKay after unsuccessfully searching for the perfect quotation to use for that segment. And I think that quote works perfectly, frankly. So, yes. So, first off, since it is Christian's month, I want to know, Carla, what did you think of his performance? And what are your thoughts on on Michael Burry as a person? I mean, I know it's kind of weird because he's a real person, but. Well, first, I want to address that quote about poetry and truth. Because because let me tell you something, okay? Not everybody hates poetry. I don't hate poetry. I don't get poetry, but I don't hate it. I don't either. Uh... <laughs> so just want to throw that out there, Adam McKay. Some of us are just not smart enough to understand poetry, and that's all right. I used to write poetry all the time. So <laughs> I, I own several books of poetry by people who write poetry. Don't understand what half of it is, <laughs> but I'm very happy for them. <laughs> anyway, Christian Bale in this, you know, you you watch the 
interviews with him. And if you are a friend of, of Aaron's, you get sent to you interviews with him, whether you want them or not, whether you have seen them 5,000 times or not. So you never don't have interviews to refer to. And he talks about uh, meeting Michael Burry and how they're, they, they ended up, uh, I think they had like a mutual respect for each other. And Christian Bale got that this is a, a singular person. This is somebody who is very unique and very special. He even says that, that the guy is special. He, uh, they still keep in touch sometimes, which I think is really cool. But I, I think that they both have a a way of looking at their work that is that is similar in that they kind of get lost in it. They're both very good at what they do. And yeah, I, I just think that's really a, an interesting relationship that they developed. And, you know, having never seen Michael Berry in action, I, I, I don't know how accurate Christian Bell's performance is. But it also doesn't matter because at the end of the day, when you're talking about about a, a movie whose subject is not a person, because th- this movie is not about people, it's about the decline of the economy, the, the crash of the housing market in, in um, the 2000s. So, you know, what makes somebody stand out as a performance in these movies? Well, I think that Christian Bale and... And Steve Carell both had a really interesting task of humanizing people who work in a vile industry and whose actions are, in a lot of ways, disgusting and deplorable. And part of the humanization is that, of course, they make you feel for them, they make you sympathize with them in, to, to some degree. And I think that they're both very successful they they both just you know watching it again and of course with my bail blinders on that's often the only thing that i'm really paying attention to but it really stood out to me how great steve girl was in this movie but i think that christian bale is also remarkable because you know he he jumps from genre to genre and from style to style accent to accent and you always buy it. You always wholeheartedly believe that he is this person. You kind of forget about the actor because he's doing such a good job letting you into the character. And it's in a way, it also kind of makes it easy to forget that it is about despicable people because you just see Michael Burrius as a guy who is, he, he's right. You know, he, he has um, a remarkable insight into the way that the economy works. He has, um, he, he's brilliant. Nobody wants to listen to him. Nobody wants to believe what he has to say. He ends up being absolutely correct in his predictions, but it comes at a huge cost to a lot of people. But you don't really get stuck in the moral quandary of it. And I think that, the, that, that that's one, and we'll talk about it later, how that's like one of the downfalls of the movie that you don't really that they don't really dwell on that. It's more like these guys are amazing because they, they saw something that was going on that nobody else spotted. And he's just, his voiceovers, for example, voiceovers can be so tricky because they they can come off as really wooden and 
they can kind of take you out of the movie, but his voiceovers were, they were flawless off screen interpretations of what this man was going through, at least as a character in this movie, because like, again, you know, what actually happened versus what actually what versus what happened in the movie who really knows i don't know enough about financial people to care to hunt down interviews with them but i fully believe him as michael berry in this film and he's just he's just so freaking talented in everything that he does and this movie came out what year 2015 2015 so yeah like this is after so many transformations that he had already put his body through and after, you know, 5,000 accents that he's done, but he's always recognizably Christian Bale, but he's also just seamlessly in whatever movie he's in. Mm-hmm. And Aaron? I Yes. All of that. Done. I, <laughs> I, I love this movie. I will say I've seen it I, three or four times now, and I still like have no idea what's going on, really. So (laughs) I don't understand financial markets and things, but it's fascinating. And I do think that Christian makes it so, so much better. Like he's just so perfect. The little like mannerisms that he has and just, you can tell he's put so much care into creating this character. I do love him like playing the drumsticks on his legs and stuff. That's Mm -hmm great we say this about everything that he's in but i can't picture anyone else doing this the way that he does and i think that's what's really special about him is that he can take something and make the character just perfect and then it's it's all you can think about but i think he's fantastic and it was perfect and i think the whole cast here is is so good i'm not even like a huge fan of Ryan Gosling, but he was pretty great. So, Jen? Well, yeah, ditto everything uh, Carlin and Aaron A. said. I, too, am not a scholarly, financially intellectual person, so I still don't fully understand everything that uh, that is going on in the movie, but I, enough. I, I love this movie. It makes me so fucking angry. I think it makes me more angry every time I watch it. Because we don't learn anything. But I think Christian is, I think he's, I I really enjoyed his performance and his uh, portrayal of um, Michael Burry. And I I like Christian Bale. I'm not a, I'm not a Bale head or anything like that or whatever y'all. I I, I cop to the. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) You're here. here. You are now. I I, I, I cop to the Finwit rock stuff. So I, yeah. But. So I, but I like Christian Bale. I enjoy his, I think he's a really great actor and he knows what he's doing. And I just, I thought this was for me to see him play this person, just especially in like the position that he's in and his, like the level of intelligence, but to be kind of schlubby in the t-shirt and the shorts and walking around the office barefoot, just, and then blaring the metal. Like I, I, I loved seeing him do that. And it's funny when you guys were talking about um, could anyone, no one else could have played that role. I, Cause I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I, I don't think I can see anyone playing Michael Murray other than Christian Bale. 
he just he did something where he was able to make that character that person version of that person his own and i think that's like really incredible when it is like a real life actual person i know shit about michael burry and how he is and what his manner and what he likes to wear to the office but i really liked what christian brought to this to the screen for this person and i and i i love it and it's like you know, we're here talking about Christian Bale in this movie, but I don't feel like it's a Christian Bale movie because it's got such a big ensemble cast. Yeah, Steve Carell is amazing in this movie. I love him. And yeah, also not a big Gosling fan, but I really liked him in this role. There was something about like his fake tan and the dark hair that was like really <laughs> creepy and off-putting, but I I loved it. It was like a train wreck. I couldn't stop looking at it, you know. And then and then of course, you know, Finn comes on screen. And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> full attention. And I couldn't help it. He's talking in one of the scenes, and I'm like, you are the most, you are so adorable. So that was my like. <laughs> but luckily, Finn was there to like take me out of like my angry moments of the movie where I'm like, oh, okay. oh, Finn, you did a job there. <laughs> but yeah, Christian, Christian rocks, rocked it in this role. So good job. <laughs> I guess I could just stop talking. Good job. Well, you know, if if you know when when he decides to make an appearance here, you can let him know. (laughs) 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 Well, like I said, this is in my top ten for for Bale performances, and you know, critics of Christian Bale because there are people that don't think he's as great and wonderful as we do. Basically, there there's you know, whatever, but <laughs> everyone has their critics. And a lot of cri- the criticism of Christian Bale will be that he goes too over the top, all of that. Well, I mean, the thing about watching this, this performance, and especially when you do this month, when whenever I do this month, what you really realize, and I always already know this, but you really realize that Christian Bale can play anybody, really, he can. You just don't think he can, I think. I think some people don't, if that makes sense. But he can sink into any character because I think what he does, even if he doesn't find any redeeming qualities in them, like, for instance, Patrick Bateman. There's an interview where he's asked, what do you like about Patrick Bateman? He's like, I don't like anything about Patrick Bateman. But I think he, even though he can't find those redeeming qualities in that, or like, you know, we're going to be talking about Vice next, he's still imbues in every character some sort of sense that you can tell that he is tr- not not trying to play them off as like a bad person no matter what they did even though you can tell when they're a bad person I don't know if that makes sense but it's like he's basically inhabiting the character so much that even when they're doing bad things he's not playing it to play it bad like here I'm being bad he's just being the character and you know when the character's being bad or good when they're doing you know the complex things. He gets this complexity down there. I mean, he gets, he adds so much complexity to every performance he does. And, you know, he does little things with his eyes. He does little things with his body. He does little things with his hands, with his voice. When he delivers the little line, just saying like, you know, it's Dr. Michael Burry, the way he delivers that line and a little laugh. And this is a character you really haven't seen laugh or express that kind of emotion before, but the way he does that, and there's even like a little bit of cockiness in a way. 
um, is really well done because it's so clever. It's so quick and it never happens again. But in that moment, he does that because he's so sure of himself and nobody is believing him. And the real Mike Overy in real life, if you don't know, he, you know, his, the big thing he started investing in was water. He also kept approaching the government and saying, do you want me to tell you how I knew this happened so you can learn? And they didn't want to talk to him and said they like audited him and all this stuff. So it's like, uh, of course they would do that. But it's, you know, you could learn something maybe. But, you know, and the little things, like I said, that Christian does with that, with little moments where every once in a while you'll see him, like he looks over at a picture of his wife or he looks at a picture of his wife and, and kid on the phone or something like that. It's almost like this assuredness where you can tell this man has got wrapped up in a system that has no heart and no soul in it. And when he's looking at his wife and when he's looking at his kid, it's like he's reaching for that humanity that is gone in this industry that he has found himself in. And that's why the letter at the end that he writes to all the investors and you hear that voiceover is so powerful because that's what that letter is about, is that he lost the truth and honesty and humanity, and that that is not part of the financial world and not part of that market and not part of capitalism. And that's why I think he also plays the drums like that, because that's another way of getting out frustration with that, but also linking to expression, linking to art, linking to something that has more emotion than dollars and cents. And so I think that's that's really interesting about watching this as well and watching that performance. And it doesn't matter that Christian isn't the best drum player. That's not important in that scene. That's not what that scene's about. That scene is about frustration, anger, um, and self-anger too. I think there is a part of him that's really angry at himself for the fact that he's part of this whole system, you know, and he's taking advantage of this system to make lots of money. So, you know, it's, it's that whole, um, dichotomy there. Well, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Will my wife and kid be able to respect me or not? You know, they, my wife matched with me, even though I was $145,000 in debt, she matched with me because she liked the fact that I was honest. Am I still an honest person? So, you know, you see, I think that struggle, in the performance, you can see it. And not not really in the dialogue necessarily, except for that letter, but more in the performance and the little things he does. And it is very interesting to watch someone who's in this financial world that's always about suits and the way you look and him just wearing those cargo shorts, which is the way he really does dress in real life. And no, you know, shoes and all that stuff and just being kind of frumpy and, and you know, his super cut haircut and that kind of thing. So it's like he's in this world that in a way he doesn't really belong in, but he's really smart in it and he really knows what he's doing, but he's kind of an outsider. And so it's a, it's an interesting thing to watch, but yeah. And I love Ryan Gosling. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm the Ryan Gosling fan on here. I, I, I adore Ryan Gosling. I think he's one of the best actors of his generation, frankly. So, you know, I, I, I'll get into him a little bit more when we get into the thoughts on the film overall and the breaking the fourth wall and stuff. But I was just throwing that out there because I think I'm, I might be the only one. But <laughs> 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 I'm a Ryan Gosling fan. And, and yes, I think Steve Carell is fantastic. And once again, comedians, comedians, comedians can do dramatic work so well because doing comedy is so much harder than doing dramatic work. 
So of course he's good. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, we're going to get a little bit more into the thoughts on the film in general. And I want to know, because this is very different, because the fourth wall is broken constantly. Uh, Ryan Gosling is the first one to do it. And then, of course, you have other characters do it. And you have uh, celebrities come in and, you know, do their do their little thing, trying to explain to us different aspects of the financial market and the housing market. And then there's comedy in this. There, It is funny at parts. You do laugh at parts. And so what did you think about that, Carla, about the way that was done? I thought it was really clever because there are some really dry, boring, complicated things going on. And having these little moments where you cut away to a celebrity and they're explaining it to you in a way that's more accessible, that makes a lot more sense than just two characters talking to each other. And like, it also cuts out that element of really cheesy exposition where they're t- <laughs> you, you see it on on tv shows all the time where it's like i am here to investigate this murder <laughs> and how are you going to do that the d- detective well fellow detective i am going to and then they proceed to explain to you things that they would not be explaining to each other in real life if this were an actual case so you have these moments where first of all you're getting a break from from this very angering action in the movie, you get some, maybe some fun music, somebody interesting to look at that you're like, oh, hey, isn't that, you know, you know who that is. I I think that the only part where it doesn't really work well is when you have Margot Robbie in the bathtub, because I listened to 0% of the explanation (laughs) of what was going on. Like, the good thing is that I watched this movie only on um, like streaming, so I was able to rewind to to hear what was actually going on. Because otherwise, I would just been like, um, I, "This, but it's Margot Robbie in the in the bathtub," <laughs> and but she's saying words relevant to the movie, and I still don't know what's going on. It's okay. That's what the rewind button is for. But other than that, it's it's really brilliant. I came away from this movie still knowing nothing because it's one of those things where like you grasp the concept for three seconds and boom, it's gone. And it's, it's largely because these are all made up things. These are all things that some rich white dude made up so that they could keep their pennies. It's no, there, it has no real bearing on anything. The stock market is all a scam. It's all a farce. And it's full of complicated things. And I think they even said in the movie that like they keep it complicated and they keep it weird like that so that these are the, the people that you have to go to to have them explain to you or to just do it for you. It's like, don't worry your pretty little head off about this. I got it because I know what I'm doing. I know all the, the fancy terminology that you are never going to figure out. And that, that I think, encapsulates a, a lot of what this movie is and what it's about and what you come away with. Um, because. It's a clever distraction 
from a horrible thing that's happening right under your nose. And that's what Wall Street and entertainment and a lot of things are. They, they, in a lot of ways, they work together to keep you in the shadows so that you don't focus too much on how you're, how much of your life is spent in service of other people's wallets and at the expense of anything that you actually want in life. Because if you think about it, how much time do we spend, do we spend getting ready for work or thinking about work? How much time do we spend on work hours? And most of the money that we're helping to make is not coming to us. In fact, things are at the point now where you can't get eggs at a reasonable price anymore, even. And that's a really basic staple for so many families. Just food, housing, healthcare are astronomically expensive to a point where people are in debt and living, like not even paycheck to paycheck, but like withdrawal to withdrawal, while all of these corporations are making these huge profits. Like where is that money going? Cause it's not going to the common people. And same with this movie. This movie is, I think trying to show you that it's trying to, to highlight the ways in which we're deceived, but it's also kind of telling you, Oh yeah, this is really horrible, but wow, this is a cool movie, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it's, it's very interesting that, that they chose to, to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Aaron, your thoughts on that? I, yes. I, I love following Carla. I can just be like, yeah, what she said. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Right? I, I love the breaking the fourth wall and especially um, Ryan Gosling did a great job with it. Yeah. I love that that was the character that did like sort of the overall narration and that he started out with like, I'm, not the good guy i'm just gonna tell you the story <laughs> and that he insisted that he's pretty cool <laughs> which was the comedy like the little sprinklings in there of that i i loved it because it it made it not so serious all the time because it is like a really scary subject like i just i don't know exactly what it means but i know it's bad the one of my other like favorite like comedy moments and not really, but when, <laughs> when they're uh, the investors show up and like want their money back and Michael Burry's like, I don't even know how to be sarcastic, but like <laughs> it's like the best line and he delivers it so perfectly and little, little tiny things like that where they're not expecting a laugh, but it's just, it's perfect. I think it just keeps it entertaining. And I think it, opened up the movie to a group of people that probably wouldn't have watched it if it had been just a very serious movie. I think the narration and the sort of fast pace of it uh, really opened it up to a group of people, I hope, that saw it that wouldn't normally watch just a straight drama. Uh, I know I probably wouldn't because I don't watch that many drama movies, (laughs) but it's fantastic. I, I love the celebrities explaining things too. I'm minorly obsessed with Selena Gomez right now. So that was like my favorite. And it, 
that was the thing that helped me understand a little bit. I still at the end, I'm like, but why? Like, I get people are betting on all these things, but like, why? And yeah, everything just helped to understand where a point where I probably would have shut it off halfway through if there hadn't been those things to keep me entertained and wanting to watch it more. It it's just a very well written and thought out. Yeah. Jan. Yeah, just gonna kind of echo everything everyone else has said so far. I love the fourth wall breaking and the celeb explaining of kind of all the ins and outs of what was going on. And I agree. The only celeb bit that I didn't, I still don't fully understand is Margot Robbie's bit. And I realized because when I think back to that scene, I see bubbles and champagne (laughs) and Margot Robbie, you know, you know, but with like Anthony Bourdain, I'm like, okay, sea bass stew. That makes sense. Uh, A Selena Gomez and old dude and the side bets. Totally, perfectly makes sense. <laughs> and then, so, <laughs> and then, meanwhile, you got Harley Quinn hanging out in a bathtub. I can't. Um, <laughs> although that really was more of like the Barbie look, but that's okay. I I love it. I think I thought it was really smart to add those bits in because I felt like uh, Adam McKay really wanted us to understand as best as we can what was going on, kind of what this movie is talking about, what actually happened. And just really wanted us to better grasp these, as Carla said, these kind of bullshit things that these rich people done made up so they could stay rich. So I I loved it. And yeah, the comedy, I agree with Aaron A. It, it's kind of like it, it's sprinkled throughout, I think, to keep your attention. Because otherwise... I I probably wouldn't have liked this movie as much as I do. And I really like, I really love this fucking movie. As much as it angers me mm-hmm. and as upset and nauseous as I feel every time I finish watching it, I love it. I, it it's done so well. And I feel like I'm, I'm a, I understand it a little bit more and more every time. But when you sit down and you watch it for the first time, it doesn't make you feel dumb for having to go through these explanations. Mm-hmm with the fourth wall and, and the celebrity bits. It's just, it, it's just kind of there as another way to help explain. It's kind of like, I don't know how to best way to, to explain it, but just like another medium of this information. Here we are, you know, th- these things happen. You can look it up. You can read about it. We could talk about it. We could show it to you in the movie and be real droll about it. But what's the fun in that? So I, I just, I loved it all. I thought it was, yeah, just really smart. I'm kind of rambling and slowly losing my train of thought, too. Um, <laughs> um, I just got a lot of things going on in there. So I, I just, it was brilliant. And it was very, very well done. And especially for for the subject matter. Yeah. Oh, all right, oh. Carla. No, 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 no. You'll see. <laughs> Hello, Christian. Hello, Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey. Oh, you got your serious. I'm here to be very serious today. I am feeling very serious because I feel that, unfortunately, we did not get across the financial uh, uh, terminology that we wanted you to understand. So I'm here to explain it for you. (laughs) Okay. Um, We can't see it very well, Christian, but. Well, that is not, uh, that does not matter. These are two dollar bills. This is a single 
and this is a five. And yes, I did borrow this money from Codless Child. <laughs> these are what they call mom bucks, and these are what he gets after chores that he can then exchange for real money. But that is not important. We do that. I don't want Sorry. to confuse your father. <laughs> By introducing a whole different system of capital. Now, I will explain to you how all three works. Because in my preparation for this movie, which was extensive, I figured out all the ins and outs of everything. So, oh my God. what happens is that you give the one dollar to a person, and the person then says, Thank you for your dollar. I will turn it into five dollars. And you say, Oh, jolly good thank you so much and then the person scampers off and they take your dollar and they put it in the wall street money machine and the wall street (laughs) money machine then does wall street money magic and then poof your dollar can disappear or poof they can turn it into five whole real dollars american even and what happens after that is uh, a trade secret which I cannot release. Um, I did sign several NDAs with several different <laughs> banking firms. So this is as much as I can explain to you. It is Wall Street magic. Sometimes you get money. Sometimes you get nothing. That well, was- I hope that helped. Well, thank you so much, Christian. That was, that was amazing. That really did the you know jolly good. That was that was great. That was wonderful. And I hope you're planning on returning. This money to Carla's son, right? Um, I Texas. will consider it. Um, <laughs> I did quite, get quite attached to this money. It is attached to you too. I see. It's attached <laughs> to your hand. <laughs> that is neither here nor there, Ellen. Whoa, okay. <laughs> oh, I am sorry. I I am terribly sorry. You know, uh Rewatching this film with Carla and her getting very, very upset about it really made me a very serious face. However, um, it is my month and it is the weekend. And so I should perhaps put on my weekend face. Ah, oh, that is so much better. Yes. I have turned that frown upside down. Oh my God. <laughs> That's... I, it's so I'm so glad to see you smiling again, Christian. I love both looks, but I, I love your smile so much more. Oh, thank you so much. I, I do hope that was helpful for you, ladies. And if you need any further financial advice, feel free to come to me. <laughs> okay, Christian. <laughs> <Thank> you. Ah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. That was amazing. Did you find it helpful? Because I personally didn't, but I don't want to say it in front of you know who. (laughs) I have no idea what he's talking about. Look, all I know is we do chore money as well. And it's it's just chore money, not mom bucks. So I thought that was that's all I got out of that. Was like, oh my god, Carla, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it helps, I hope he will give the money back though, because yeah, he better. I don't see him scrubbing the toilet <laughs> for a mom buck. <laughs> I mean, he's living there rent free, right? Yes. <laughs> well, he can scrub a toilet or two then, damn. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Does, like, honestly. I bet his family helps and he doesn't. He just sits there. His family is lovely. 
I will say nothing else. <laughs> See, I can always tell there's a, a newbie to our Christian male because Jen, when you turned your camera off, just like, well, okay. I was like, oh, shit, I done made her mad. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Oh man! I have to turn off the camera because then I have to get up again. I, I don't want you seeing my silly pajama bottoms. That's all it is. I have to give him the seat. I have to get up. It's a whole deal. Understandable. <laughs> Make sure he's not eating marshmallows. No, he, um, he he has marshmallow pajama bottoms, which he also doesn't want you to see. I told you, so, it's a whole thing. Do the mom bucks buy marshmallows, or is that a different <laughs> form of currency? That's a different form of currency. If Christian Bale wants to do chores and get mom bucks, then his mom bucks can buy marshmallows. That was so amazing. I am. I am so gonna have to edit that together tonight, just so people can have an understanding of what they miss when they don't see this live. People go back and watch it later. But oh my gosh, it's a it's. I just you I mean so that people can get a better understanding of how Wall Street works? Oh, yeah. That too. Me. Yeah. Edit that into the special D- DVD edition of the movie. There, <laughs> perfect. Yes. Extra special edition. Let's contact Director's Adam cut. McKay, who has a number. Somebody. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I want to just say on the Margot Robbie front, and I want to get the opinion then, so originally, that was not going to be Margot Robbie. Originally, that was going to be Scarlett Johansson in a waterfall. So now, which do you prefer? <laughs> I mean, was it a waterfall in Japan? Like, what was the, the deal there? Because I can't stand uh, Scarlett Johansson anyway, so definitely it's better that it was Margot Robbie. But, like, sincerely... All of the other um, celebrities who were explaining stuff about the financial system, they were doing something that helped you understand it. Margot Robbie sitting in the bathtub does not help me understand it. It just distracts me from the fact that she's talking about the financial system. Mm. It's true. No, that's true. With the, yeah, with the that's actual, a, that's a good point. With the actual expensive champagne, she said that was actually really expensive champagne she was drinking too but but i just was curious because that's who was originally supposed to be. hell no mm. scarlett johansson <laughs> all the christian bale in the world couldn't have made up for that <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here now um <laughs> no i think i think the fourth wall breaking and the celebrities explaining and adding him that little comedic touches and Adam McKay encouraged his cast to um, improvise a lot too. And so I think what that did, and I know um, Aaron mentioned this earlier too, Aaron A did, is it gives you kind of a window that people that might normally not see a movie like this when they hear, oh, this is about the financial crisis. I don't want to see that. They might go and see it because it's done by Adam McKay. Adam McKay is known for doing like Anchorman and all that stuff. So they might see it and say, oh, we're going to see something else. And so adding in those, sprinkling that in there makes it um, more palatable, I think, for people. And it also, also the thing about it, though, is that it's not dumbing, it's not 
treating the audience like they're dumb. I mean, Ryan Gosling's character even says in there, you're supposed to feel dumb. That's why they make these, you know, terms and everything like that. And I am someone, I have worked in real estate and the mortgage industry for over 20 years now in various areas. I worked in the mortgage industry during this time and actually before the big crisis. And we saw stuff coming. We knew what was going to come. I, where I worked as an underwriter, an underwriter is someone who they basically are auditing the loans. And they go to the mortgage companies, the mortgage workers, and go, this isn't right. We need to get this. We need to get that. And I worked in that department. And we were slammed, busy, so busy. I would take work home, uh, working the weekends. And then, and this was in 2004, okay? And then literally one night, boom, all stopped. And we were not busy anymore. We had hardly anything to do. And our office closed in 2004. So we were like ahead of all of this. But we would see things. I mean, I called out one company. I was like, these people that work at this company are verifying employment and they're not the employers. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that was happening. You had people that you knew should not be get buying these homes with home theaters and jacuzzis and all this stuff. And yet they didn't have to verify their income. They didn't have to verify all this other stuff that really was happening. And so for me, you know, I understand a little bit more, more about that. But it is true that in that industry, there's a lot of slimy, slimy people, and they do a lot of unscrupulous things. There were, I mean, appraisers were doing very, very bad things. That's why the appraisal industry has changed so much because it's very hard to become an appraiser now because of how unscrupulous they were before. And it's all about money. And it's all about, it's not really about getting someone a home you know, I've worked with realtors before that are like that. But when you're in the mortgage side of it, this side of it, it is all about money. So when you have all the money there, you don't have the humanity. There, there's no way you're going to care what happens if someone's going to lose a house, if someone's going to, you know, go under, if someone actually can't afford that. You don't care at that time because you're going to be making money off of this deal. So it's just it's it's the way a lot of financial systems work. It's you know. Uh, credit reporting and credit ratings and all that stuff are such a fake, false construct and shouldn't exist anyway. But, but I think with breaking that fourth wall, with trying to explain things through celebrities, it's kind of like going, okay, we'll tr- we we know we don't understand either, but we're going to try and make you understand. But even if you don't understand, you're still going to enjoy this movie. It's amazing how he was able to do that, honestly, because this is a very dry subject and a lot of respects. So to be able to watch this movie more than once, more than twice, and still be entertained by it, yes, you get angry, but still be entertained. That is quite a skill. That's mm-hmm. quite a skill directing-wise. That's quite a skill writing, you know, acting, all of that stuff. That's pretty amazing when you're dealing with a subject matter like this. I will say, though, when you have a trick like this, when you have a little gimmick, because it is a gimmick, and you use this, and then you try and use the same gimmick in different ways in other future movies, it doesn't work as well. <laughs> Vice, and in a way, don't look up, but Vice did this it, it did in different respect with a narration that was totally not needed. And we'll be talking about that next week. So I think that's the only issue you run into is when this is done and it gets praised so universally. I think sometimes creators are like, okay, well, that's what I have to do, like with M. Night Shyamalan. And, always having to have a twist and that kind of stuff. 
And so it can kind of be hamper that a little bit. But I think in this movie, it works so well because you've got such a dry subject matter. And in order to connect to a wide range of people, you have to add in something that is going to connect to your humanity. And I think, and I'm not saying celebrities is how you connect to humanity, but breaking the fourth wall and treating you not like you're stupid, but like we're all equal and we're all trying to understand this together is the best way to sort of do that. So, and we've already kind of covered the capitalism part a little bit, but Carla, was there anything else you wanted to add on that with uh, how the show handles the show, the movie handles the topic of capitalism and also how we never flip and learn from any of this crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. So the movie comes out in, in 2015 and we're, you know, already sliding back towards that same issue, you know, for different reasons this time in a different ways, but it's, it's all going to be the same. They're going to be untold amounts of people without homes there are going to be people profiting off of this. And it's because nothing actually changed. The The movie pointed out that one dude was act, that actually went to prison. You know, when there are hundreds of white dudes who should have gone to prison and, or at least should have had their access to financial systems revoked, the banks should have been cut up like a lot of things that that happened shouldn't have happened and a lot of things that didn't happen should have you know like these banks did not deserve bailouts you know they and it's it's not just you know one of those negative reinforcement things where it's like we're going to let you fail so that you can learn better and do better next time it's just these are the consequences of their actions these are things that should have happened but but didn't so the movie addresses a lot of things head on and gives you, again, you know, it, it's it's a subject matter that is difficult to to really understand if you're not a financial person and you don't even really come away with a very clear picture of everything that was said. But you do come away with an understanding that basically the banks set this up in a way that it was going to screw up. And nobody who had the power to do something about it cared because they were all going to get a big fat payout at the end. And that's what capitalism is in a nutshell. It's people who don't have the education or the resources or the access to, to power getting the short end of the stick while people who already have a lot of money just end up getting more money. You know, it's it's infuriating because it would be, I think, less infuriating if things had improved since then, but they haven't. So I think that the fury that we feel comes from the fact that we are still living in that and that we're still victims of the same exact system, not because nobody learned, but because these people were allowed to continue doing exactly what they're doing, but just do it more quietly. That's the only thing it's you know don't be so obvious about how you're how you're grifting people that's what it comes down to and it's really disgusting Mm -hmm. Aaron yeah just the fact that even at the end of the movie it's they're basically doing the same thing and calling it something different that there's no consequences to these actions because it's rich and powerful people doing it and you know when a normal person does one little thing and they go to jail and they're over here making millions and 
millions of dollars off of normal people who didn't even know what they were signing. You know, the scene where they're with those guys in Florida and he's like, why are they confessing to this? And he's like, they're not, they're bragging. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just the attitude that these people had and still have. I'm sure most of these people are still in this business so they didn't retire off of the millions of dollars that they made. So it's just a system that's designed to continue itself forever and ever because no one's going to stop them. Mm-hmm. Jen. Yeah, not, yeah, not a whole hell of a lot to add. It's, I mean, <laughs> we didn't learn our fucking lesson. It makes me so, this is my angry laugh. <laughs> this is my so mad. I just have to laugh about it. It, and it's, Oh God, you know, like, and then like with the bank bailout, when that happened, that should have told us little people that maybe all across the board, everything we should have known about banks, businesses, capitalism, they don't care about us. They care about themselves and they will and are going to do it again to us. And, and it's so infuriating because we... (laughs) We're the people. We, uh, yeah. It's just, it's so fucking, it, it just makes me so damn mad. And that's, that's all I can say is I just, I see red. It pisses me off. We have learned nothing. We learned nothing from this movie. We learned nothing from when COVID came and just uprooted everybody's world. And we're going to continue to not learn. Like, Unless it's it's something catastrophic, like a fucking asteroid or something. (laughs) Even then, I don't think we would learn. Even then, we won't learn. We'll spend those first months like, oh, we're in it together thinking, well, we'll, we will rebuild in a month. And then when it takes another couple months and a couple months after that, then people are going to start turning on each other. And just like in the movie, they're going to blame the immigrants and the poor and the people of color and just make us all fight in between and they're just going to keep on doing what they're doing because that's the goal. That's always been their goal is to keep us fighting amongst ourselves. So we can't see that they're the fucking problem and they've always been the fucking problem for my entire life. So what was the question? <laughs> you answered the question. <laughs> Isn't that why don't we learn? <laughs> I felt like I just yelled for like, no, it's <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't learn because we don't want to learn. That's the big thing is we don't want to learn because if we learned and we really took stock and really looked at what the problem is, so much stuff would have to change and people don't want to change. They just mm-hmm. don't because they're comfortable in their little bubble and I, I and a lot of that is a, a lot of, mainly white people are very comfortable in their little bubble and a lot of rich white people are very comfortable in their bubble and um, a lot of powerful white men are very comfortable in that little bubble. And because they have that thing where they feel like they're protected, they don't really care if everybody else gets hurt because they're okay. And they can manipulate the system to make you think that that's okay. That they Like with the bank bailouts, it was such a manipulation of the system of saying, if we're not bailed out, everybody is going to suffer. So you have to bail us out because mm-hmm. if you don't, then we're really going to be in trouble. We were already in so much trouble. And it, it, it's that thing of like, you know, if we don't, if we, you know, it's that whole myth of trickle down economics where, you know, if you've got the rich people staying rich, we're all going to be okay. And we have seen 
the proof is right here. That is not true. That's just not true. When you live in a country where people have people go bankrupt because they have to get surgery because they because of healthcare, when people can't have a roof over their heads, you know, basic when basic needs aren't being met, you cannot use the argument that triple down economics are going to save people because it just hurts people in the long run. Because the people that are making all that money at the top are never going to want to cut into that money that they're making at the top. So it's not really ever going to trickle down in the way that they are supposing that it's going to trickle down. And if you don't treat people as people and as humans and as human beings, and you just treat them as a commodity, which is what is done, and that's you know what is the evil of capitalism is people are commodities and people are a number and everybody is for themselves then you're just going to keep getting the run the runaround and the whole thing and i think even if there was an asteroid coming at us i still don't necessarily even think that would change anything because i mean we've had catastrophes happen and there's like this little tiny tiny little window of time where people for a few seconds are like oh let's all love each other and let's all come together and let's be okay i mean that you saw it happen very briefly after 9-11, you kind of saw that happen, but then immediately it was like, let's go bomb a whole entire country, even even when that has nothing to do with what happened. And even though a lot of innocent, you know, I mean, I remember hearing one person saying that, saying, well, why don't we just bomb that whole country? And I'm like, well, because there are people that live in this country. It's not like, I mean, and they're like, well, what does that matter? I'm like, oh, seriously, oh how does that not matter? It's that, it, and so it's like, we'll have that little tiny moment. Same thing happened with with um with covid during the whole time when when we were all um in uh, a lockdown lot. thank you yeah. i'm like why is the word escaping me when we were all you know in that period there was that time where you know you would have the howl at a certain time or you'd have like the hockey horns or people respecting uh workers and that kind of thing but it lasted for like that amount of time and then mm-hmm. people are like get back to work why are you complaining da, 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 da. that kind of thing so that's why i still think even if we were having a disaster like that you would still have that because we have this mentality it's this mentality of we are all for ourselves and nobody else and we don't mm-hmm. care about helping anybody else and it's so depressing and infuriating and aggravating you know and it's like the, the the one little dream moment of saying, well, no, that really didn't happen. They didn't blame the immigrants and the poor people. This happened, this happened. And, and then, of course, that's not what happened. So, and they also blame teachers. So, yes. um, you know, it's, it's just it ridiculous. Again. Yes. We're yes. in a cycle. We're doing it again. We're blaming teachers. We're blaming poor. We're blaming people that's a little bit darker than them. It's, oh, yeah. But I love this movie. <laughs> I do too, but it is it is very much that you know we we don't ever learn from from our mistakes. I mean, you just and you know with the asteroid thing, I think you can kind of compare that to to the environment and how we handle it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. our environment is dying, and we don't we like seriously. Care. We yeah. don't care. For real. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's a lot of what the don't look up, of course, was about. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, well, now these men in this movie, um, and I know Carla touched a little bit on this way back in the beginning here, but um, so Carla, do you think there was any... (laughs) Because these men were making millions upon billions of dollars off of basically people's misery. So do you think these men that we follow in this story are good guys or were they just people who took advantage of a system that was broken? They're people who just took advantage of a broken system and they did it knowing that the system was broken. They did it, they did it knowing that people were losing their homes and they still went ahead and did it. You know, there wasn't a point at which they said, you know, once I get the money from this, I'm going to turn around and buy houses for all of the people that I know who have been displaced by this. Or I'm going to open up my own fund that is going to be dedicated to eradicating X, Y, and Z social issue. None of that. For all of their hand-wringing and all of their pearl-clutching, there was no action behind any of that. Their their feeling good about themselves comes from recognizing that, that there's a moral failing going around and pointing the finger at anybody but themselves, even though they're fully complicit in the system that is screwing up so many of the people's lives. So, you know, again, Steve Carell and Christian Bale did fantastic jobs humanizing these men, but at the same time, like I don't care. They still made millions off of something that left so many people without homes. So I I don't really have a lot of good feelings for any of the people who did that. I mean, they they are all they all feel like they're morally superior to this Jared um uh the Ryan Gosling dude. Uh, why can't I remember his name now, too? Sorry. Because he's oh. scum of the earth. Jared Vinette. Vinette. <laughs> yes. Vinette. Vinette. They all think that they're morally superior to Jared Vinette. They're all the same dude. Every last one of them yes. is the same. They're all Max Greenfield mm-hmm. in Miami <laughs> patting himself on the back for making his money off of sex workers and immigrants. Mm-hmm. They are all the same trash that pretty much colluded to make the system what it is. They rode the wave until the wave broke. And then they got out of it, shaking their heads and pointing fingers, but doing nothing, nothing about it. And yes, Michael Berry went and tried to, you know, to whistleblow about, you know, like, Hey, here's what could happen again. But this is after he walked away with a lot of money. So too little, too late, you know, and, and yes, I know that the system is never going to listen to the, to somebody who is coming forward with information to say, this system is broken. Let's fix it because it is in a lot of people's best interest for the system to stay broken. 
but you can't sit on your high horse and fan yourself with millions of dollars and think that you're the good guy in all of this. Yeah. I mean, you could have come, I mean, even though they wouldn't have listened to you then, it would have made you a better person to come forward to to the people then when you saw it coming instead of being like, let's invest and make money off of this. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, but wait, we can make so much more money if, you know, like sell me all of these, all of these bonds, sell me everything that you've got. I'm going to give you millions and millions of dollars for you to sell me all of this stuff. Gosh, I've made two point something billion dollars and I feel a little bad about it. My tummy kind of hurts. Oh no. I'm going to, I'm just going to go and buy myself a yacht and feel better. That's true. That's <laughs> exactly. going to buy myself a mansion in the Barbados and, and cry over my sunset. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's very true. Erin. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a proven fact that yachts do make you feel better, though, right? <laughs> I mean, nobody is disputing the medicinal properties of yachts, but... No one's complaining about their yacht. Medicinal <laughs> properties <laughs> Okay, these guys, no. They... I don't think they meant to be bad guys, but they definitely didn't stop doing it once they realized what was going to happen. And I like that we get to see kind of these three different stories of these three people kind of in different situations. And I really love uh, Jamie and Charlie's story, not just because of Finn and his beautiful hair, <laughs> which is on point, by the way. I know we point. barely talked yeah. about Finn, but yes. <laughs> Perfect. As usual. He's so cute and young. He's so cute. <laughs> so, I can't believe this movie's so old, but I really love their story because like they got into this because they they told Ben at the beginning like we just want to get rich and then they had that little light bulb moment in the casino and they're like super pumped and then he just like knocks him right down he's like you realize if you're right and you make all this money that there's going to be people out of houses people are going to die it's basically the end of the world and you guys are celebrating and the like the, the fact that that's the point that that clicked for them that they hadn't realized that before I think says a lot about that industry that ju- yeah. it's just self-interest is like the strongest emotion <laughs> so but also i think like being removed from the humanity of it you know because they're somewhere behind a computer making these things and this is the, the thing with with wall street in general with with stocks and all of this crap all this imaginary money floating around is that somebody is sitting somewhere in an office making all of these decisions that are going to affect real people and all they're looking at is paper. So they don't care. They, they become desensitized. You know, it, it's, it's all monopoly money to them and it's all like little dollies instead of people. So they don't really care because there are no real people being harmed. It's just, it's just, you know, paper. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think. Uh, it made a good point of why Ben got out of the industry because he did leave. And when he's sitting in that pub trying to make this deal of millions of dollars and the guy's like, screw you, man. Like that's everyone would like to say that to one of these guys. So it it just, I think they didn't intentionally start out as being bad guys, but no, they, they are not the heroes in any sort of scenario. Um, and, Honestly, if any of them had, tra- if they had 
collectively tried to go to the government and been like, hey, something bad's about to happen. Would anyone have listened to them? That's that's the problem that they're they're counting on. They're banking on that no one's gonna care what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jen. Yeah. Total douchebags. Total pieces of shit. It would have been one thing to yeah, take all those billions of dollars and then turn around and do some Robin Hood type shit with it, but they didn't. And I at least appreciate Steve Carell's character for being the only one that seemed to struggle with with that on whether or not to sell at this very last minute. And he brings up the point, you know, if we do this, we are no better than them. And then the one guy's like, he tries to rationalize it. No, we're, we're taking advantage of them. We're, we're getting back at them. Like, mm, but you're not. Cause it would have been different that, you know, you, it would have been more of a revenge kind of thing. Had they taken that money and then done some Robin hood shit with it, but they didn't, as far as we know, they pocketed it and whatever and lived happily, richly, ever after so yeah they they just they just took advantage of a broken system and having found the the crack in it yeah but and i agree with erin a that i don't think i don't think they all set out to be bad guys but they certainly didn't do anything to try and be good guys so well except for maybe yeah finn they did try to go to the washington post but Finn would never hurt us like that. (laughs) He tried with his good hair. (laughs) Finn would never hurt us like that. I don't know why I did Southern there, but. (laughs) But with Jamie and Charlie, like I thought that the, that the funny thing is that they went, you know, their thought process was, well, nobody's taking us seriously about this. We tried the one guy. What more can we do? (laughs) (laughs) We did one time. We did one time. I guess we have no choice but to take advantage of this and make our fortune. Like, I mean, this is clearly what God intends. They reached for the bill. All the cool kids are doing it, so... (laughs) They reached for the bill. (laughs) They still do. I mean, they still are. They're taking advantage of this system. And even even Ben on his moral Boulder, Colorado high horse. I'm sorry. That was the most typical Boulder character I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> even on his little high horse there, um, he's still doing he's doing the same exact flipping thing. He's just mm-hmm. on this bigger moral high ground where he's like, well, I'm like, he's he's like he's a he's a yippie, basically, you know, so he's mm-hmm. like he's got this hippie mindset, but he's going to make all this money. And when you see him in the pub and all those other people talking to him, they're basically saying, look, you're a fuckhead. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're just, you're an asshole. And so you can sit there with your beard and your glasses and sit there and think, oh, I'm so cool. And I'm a hipster. With your seeds. With your seeds. <laughs> yes, with your seeds. But you're still doing the same flipping thing. You're just wearing it a different, you know, you're just dressing it differently. You may yeah, not have your like- hair slick, slicked back and you may not <laughs> mm-hmm. be wearing the But you're still suit, the same dude. you're still the same person. Yep. Yeah, like he and um and Mark Steve Carell's character both get called out for their hypocrisy, and there it's not like that gives them pause enough for them to not participate in this. They, they still like when they, they when um Jamie and Charlie ask Ben, you know, so like, hey, why did you do this? And he, and he's like, well, you wanted to be rich, like that's enough of a reason to 
participate mm-hmm. in this in 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 this system it that you got out of because it was so morally bankrupt and it's bad and you know humans yay are great and system no but you you know that that's your whole reason for exploiting this at the expense of a lot of people is well my friends wanted to get rich and i couldn't say no exactly and it's just it's basically you are you you why don't you just in a way i would have more not respect so much, but I, but I think it would be better if they would just be upfront about it and say, I look, I wanted to be, make money. I wanted to get rich and I saw this opportunity. And so I wanted to get rich and, you know, screw morality and screw morals. I wanted to get rich, but I think they can excuse it away. Cause they're like, this is a quote unquote legitimate business. So it's not like I'm actually like a criminal. I'm doing this legitimate thing and I'm making this money yet this is going to end up costing lives. So it's like, yeah, it's that whole, it's, it's the way capitalism works. And it's the way a lot of these people, the higher ups in this, you know, I've, I've met so many people like this in my life. So many men that are exactly like this, you know, and they'll go and and this schmoozing and go and have liquid lunches and all of this stuff. And meanwhile, everybody else is working hard to make them millions of dollars and they're doing jack shit. And it, I mean, it's just, it's sadly, that's the way the world works. <laughs> I, I hate that that's the way the world works, but that's what the economy is propped up on is this fake, fakeness that is so easy to basically knock the legs out from under. You know, it's a system that is constantly, constantly on the edge of collapsing. That's the thing that we don't talk about. It's constantly on the edge of collapsing, whether it be the housing market, something else. There's always something that's there that's ready to collapse this system that's basically a house of cards, you know. And yes, this affected other countries too, but uh, you know, since we're here in in you know we're we're talking from um, America, so it's kind of like we're talking on, in that perspective. But it did happen in a lot of other countries. It didn't just affect here. So you know, it money money is just. You know, it's <laughs> it's something we all want. You know, meanwhile, like today, I went, I bought a Mega Millions ticket. I mean, come on, <laughs> the funny thing too is that you know, I feel like almost everybody I know, if they won the lotto, they would use a significant portion of it for charitable giving. Yeah, me too, mm-hmm. and. People who are already rich, they only give to charity if they can write it off. Exactly. That's why I would say it's very rare that people that really should win the lottery win the lottery. That's another mm-hmm. system that is so flawed because it's like everybody I know, same thing, Carla. It'd be like, because I know, you know, I know all of us, if we won that much money, it would feel really weird and wrong to not help people. Mm-hmm. But that's because we're not this in that mindset. We're not those people. So it's like, but yet a lot of those people will win that kind of money. I'm not saying everybody that wins the lottery is like that, but a lot of people are and they go out and, you know, they don't care. <laughs> it's like it's so messed up. Oh, man, this is depressing. Well, we're going to move on to something a little bit happier. So, Mr. Finn Whitrock that we we talked we talked a little bit about him towards the end here and his his beautiful hair. We haven't really talked about Finn much in a while, except for the six degrees of Finn. Uh, but I assigned my Finn crew, Aaron, A, and Jen. I did assign them Christian Bale movies to connect Finn to without using this one. And so Aaron, A, 
I gave you equilibrium. See, my original thought was I wanted to give you both ones that started with the first letter of your name, but there's no movie that Christian Bale's done that starts with a J until he does the John Bon Jovi thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now he needs to. (laughs) So that's why I gave you a different one, just to explain. But so, (laughs) so, so Aaron A., how did you connect Finn to, um, to equilibrium? I, I assumed you gave it to me because it's sci-fi and I'm a nerd. That too. Okay. Yes, that's really why I gave it to you. <laughs> Love it. Okay. I'm going to go just full nerd on this whole chain here then. So with Christian, um, Dominic Purcell was in that. Excellent. Um, he was also um, played Mick in Legends of Tomorrow and like the whole gambit of DC Universe shows. Starring along with him in those is Matt Ryan, who plays Constantine, the better Constantine. I will tell you right now. Don't argue with me. <laughs> you know why. So Matt Ryan, um, this is oh, this makes me so happy. Matt Ryan was in um, an episode of Torchwood, and also was Finn Wittrock was in an episode of Torchwood. Um, so, and this is just weird coincidence, but. Matt was in um, season two, episode four, and Finn was in season four, episode two, which is also really weird. That is kind of weird. He played a delightful flight attendant, and he was adorable and had perfect hair as usual. (laughs) As usual. (laughs) We do respect your talent, too, Finn. (laughs) The whole body. Right, but the adorableness is what I really appreciate. <laughs> that was great, though. It was a new one. We haven't ever used that before. So, Jen, I gave you The Machinist, which I am going to be making Jen watch at some point. <laughs> yes. So, um, all right. So, I'm looking at my list now, and I am realizing you said not to use the big short. Um, yes. It, it made it in here, but... I'm it's not my starting point, but okay. Mm, I fucked up. Anyways, so (laughs) this is what happens when I do shit at like 11 o'clock at night when I should be sleeping. All right. So the machinist stars Christian Bale. Uh, He was also in the movie, the 90s version of Little Women as Laurie. That was my first experience with Christian Bale. And I had the biggest crush on him for years, but I also was crushing on Gabriel Byrne. So that's for you psychology majors. Kirsten Dunst was in that as Amy, and then she was uh, was in Interview with a Vampire with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was in The Big Short with Finn Wittrock. So I used Big Short, but I didn't use, I used Brad Pitt. (laughs) 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 The buzzer's back. (laughs) So glad. It hasn't been around since the last time you were around. I guess it just, you're welcome. Yeah. Jen gave me two Christian Bale movies. <laughs> At first, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so she gave me Mary, Mother of Jesus. I don't know when we, when or if we will ever be covering this Christian Bale movie. <laughs> Carla, what do you say? That Christian for Easter. <laughs> Have a blessed Christian Bale day. <laughs> Yes, there we go. Um, and then also um, Mio in the land of far away, which he does voice work. I don't know if we'll ever cover that one either. 
<laughs> in the year 2050, <laughs> when we've run out of Christian families. <laughs> but for Mary, Mother of Jesus, I used the director, Kevin Connor, who also directed a version of Frankenstein with Donald Sutherland, who was in The Hunger Games with Jennifer Lawrence, who was in Silver Linings Playbook with Bradley Cooper, who was in A Star is Born with Lady Gaga, who was in American Horror Story Hotel with Finn. And then for the other one, I used uh, Christopher Lee does a voice in there. And Christopher Lee was in Star Wars Episode 2 with Jimmy Smits, who was in Dexter with Jennifer Carpenter, who was in A Mouthful of Air with Finn. Those were actually a lot easier than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> it was. Holy shit. <laughs> so <Just> scroll down. <laughs> so there you go. So, but we're going to go ahead and close this episode out. So thank you all so, so much. I know it's very late. In Carla's world, it's late in Jen's world, too. It, in Aaron and, a and I's world, it's very early now. <laughs> very early, unless you ask my dog about dinner. <laughs> <laughs> then your dog's like, uh. um, So, Carla, where can they find you? And most importantly, your podcast, Bedwetter Behead. Thank you, Aaron. They can find Bedwetter Behead wherever you get your podcast on. You can also look for us on Twitter at Pod. On Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. Uh, we are also present on other social media. Good luck finding us, though. It'll be a fun surprise. <laughs> and you can find me and my art and my musings on Instagram at carlatemis or my website, carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S dot com. I did math at that time and I did a little. <laughs> I know. I was happy to see you used your mouth and not your fingers this time. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't use my fingers. <laughs> For people, you know, that haven't had the, the episode hasn't dropped yet, so you'll understand. <laughs> Easter eggs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh Can't wait for the 2023 blooper reel. <laughs> So, Aaron A. I don't know why I said that, but we're going to find you. I am on Instagram and sometimes Twitter at Geek and So. That's what I do. I geek and I sew things. Awesome. And Jen, where can they find you and your podcast? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> My podcast can be found. <laughs> Oh, on uh, on a podcast player near you, just uh, give it the old googs. You'll find it; it's out there. Um, you can follow <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble and Facebook and Instagram as my Streaming Bubble. Awesome! You sh you should start saying at um, on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. No, my in that one. <laughs> <laughs> at Streaming Bubble. No, my in that. <laughs> Facebook and Instagram as my Streaming Bubble. My net, my net. <laughs> Am I in that? Wait, what? Am I in that? <laughs> no, I, I. It is a little late for me. <laughs> and, and this is Aaron. And before I say where we can be found, I did want to share, and it's going to be in the show notes as well. I wanted to close out and just quickly share Mark Patton, who we adore, consider a friend of the pod in some respects. He, um, he. If you don't know who Mark Patton is, he was in. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. He was also the subject of the wonderful documentary made by Friends of the Pod, Roman and Tyler. Um, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Please go watch that documentary. It's amazing. You will see why we adore, love Mark so much. 
He has a GoFundMe up right now um, due to he needs help receiving some medical care. Once again, this goes to the flipping, ah, the system. So annoying. But we are linking that in the show notes. I'm going to put it here in the comments as well. So if you come back and you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to find it in the live comments to to his GoFundMe page. So please share that as well. I want to say the horror community is amazing. They've been sharing this all day. Uh, Today is Friday the 13th, but I wanted to make sure to mention that as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm like lecturing, like pointing like a t-shirt. Oh, God. oh my Lord. Um, <laughs> on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. We have Christian Bale's amazing John Bon Jovi audition up on our TikTok. It's also on Instagram and Twitter. And of course you can find it on YouTube. And please, any producers, directors, writers, Christian is born for this, man. Go watch that audition. The song, I actually, honest, I'm not lying, is has been stuck in my head. <laughs> it's a and I don't care. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That's one of my favorite moments that's ever happened on this podcast. So please, please, please go go watch those clips. And then producers, directors, get this going. If Christian goes, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Being modest again. Exactly. (laughs) Show him his audition. It might. (laughs) He's a very busy man. He forgets things, even though he takes the wig everywhere. Just show it to him. He will automatically be like, yes, of course I did that. That's totally me in my voice. <laughs> That's me, yes. Give me acting. this part. Yes, acting. <laughs> yes, and then we can have a J movie. Call it John. Just John. <laughs> Just John. <laughs> Just John. <laughs> And also, I want to just say we are going to be announcing the nominations. They would have already happened if you're listening to the podcast version. But we're announcing the nominations for our first ever podcast awards called the Fandom Choice Awards. Fandom Thing Choice Awards. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, Ellen. You came up with that, our Patreon supporter, beautiful Patreon supporter. So I apologize. I messed that up a little bit. But we are going to be announcing our nominations for the 2022 awards. And these are going to be in categories for our podcast, like best TV show episode, best Christian effing Bale episode, uh, favorite panelist, lots of different things. And we will be announcing that on Tuesday, January 17th at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That was would have already been announced if you're listening to the podcast version. And you will see in the um, show notes, there will be a link to a by the time this drops because we're going to have um you're going to be sorry you're going to be able to vote on the actual winners because the actual winners will be announced on sunday february 19th at 6 p.m mountain standard time and so you will be able to vote on who wins from the nominees and so a link to that ballot it's a google form don't worry your responses will stay anonymous i'm not going to look i'm not going to know who you voted for, but that will be in the show notes. You will be able to vote until I haven't decided quite. I will probably edit this and add that in there because I'm not quite sure when the cutoff will be. I'm thinking it'll be a week before February 19th. So it'll give me time to calculate and get things going there. 
But that should be a ton of fun. And this was Carla's idea. So thank you so much, Carla, for coming up with this amazing, beautiful idea. I'm so excited to do, <laughs> I'm so excited to do this. So thank you so much. And um, you will see a certain nomination of a certain thing that has become such an integral part of our podcast, and especially in this month, is definitely being nominated. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if you can guess what that is. But remember, we want that John, just John. <laughs> Come on, producers. <laughs> we should write it. We should write it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Huge Christian. I'm sure he will be all over this project. Of course. <laughs> He'll be like, oh, you're the ones who dedicate the month to me. You're the ones who I sat there and I told all my friends to listen. We sit around. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of our lovely unofficial mascot, on our next Friday episode, we are going to be sort of rounding out. We're not completely because we're also going to talk about the pale blue eye. We're recording that on, I believe it's January 20 something, uh, 24th. I believe that's what it is. 24th, 25th. Okay. Thank you, Carla. Carla's got me covered. So we are going to do special coverage of The Pale Blue Eye. And then also on January 29th, we're going to do Christian Bale Trivia Night for his birthday. Um, But our next episode on Friday will be Vice. So we are going to be talking about Christian's role as Dick Cheney. So I think that'll be a very, very interesting conversation. Please go watch his Golden Globe acceptance speech. It is one of my favorite acceptance speeches ever. Oh, did I say where our website? No, I didn't. Our website is it's a phantomthinkpod.com. So if you want to contact us there and shoot us ideas for this Just John movie, you can reach us there. <laughs> Click the contact us button. I'll shoot. <laughs> Come on, Christian, reach out. <laughs> I was say reach out and touch faith, but that's Depeche Mode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Dave Gone has great ideas about this John Bon Jovi hey. movie. Dave, Dave, <laughs> if you want to be part of the Just John movie, <laughs> maybe he that. wants to be Richie Sambora. Who knows? There you go. Oh my God. <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Well, until next time, remember it's a fandom thing Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.